This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary stranger. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Mitch Batros from the Science of Cycles is standing by to talk about Earth changes, the coming pole shift, the Earth's weakening magnetic shield, cosmic rays and climate change and much more. Uh, What's in the box will be uh, moved to the second hour. And uh, we will uh, tell you all about that in a little bit, a little while. Uh, Let me introduce uh, the boys in the band, of course, uh, on the flying Gibson guitar, technical producer Ian Robertson. On the Rickenbacker bass guitar and theremin, story producer Albert Vinzel. And on the Hammond B3 and kettle drums... Intern Ryan White, gentlemen, good to see you. Uh, we are live and uh, streaming on YouTube tonight, live streaming on YouTube tonight. If you want to join the Hangout on Air, you know what? I have been directing people to my Twitter feed and click on the HOA link and then uh, talking with Ryan and Albert here, I, I thought, I'm, I'm an idiot. It's, it's far more simple uh, than that, but it's above my pay scale. So uh, rather than have people go to my Twitter feed, if they want to stream the show on, on YouTube, you just subscribe to the YouTube channel, right? I believe that should work, yeah. Right. You subscribe to the YouTube channel. Duh. <laughs> the, uh, the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. You subscribe, and then... Recommended for you, and it will show how many people are viewing. Live. Right, but, but then if they want to stream it, they just go on there and they click it, right? Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Never mind going to the Twitter feed. I mean, please go to the Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, and say hello. But you knew this the whole time, Ian, probably, and you said nothing, Right. Kind of my thing. <laughs> All right. Go to the YouTube channel and subscribe. All right. Um, what else do I want to say? Just a reminder, uh, speaking of websites and so forth, please visit strangeplanet.ca. Strangeplanet.ca. That's a landing page, really. And from there, you can go off in uh, different directions. You can go to the radio page for this program, uh, The Conspiracy Show. But you can also go to the TV page for my TV program, also called The Conspiracy Show. Now, the link, uh, theconspiracyshow.com, it was down for a while. The link was down, but I've rebuilt the website, and it's live again, 
theconspiracyshow.com. And if you're a fan of the TV show, why not show it off? You can go to the online store, and we've got all sorts of conspiracy show merch there. We've got uh, men's and ladies' uh, tees and tea, uh, sweatshirts and hoodies and mugs and phone cases, whether you've got an iPhone or a Galaxy uh, or an Android or whatever. It's all uh, right there. Theconspiracyshow.com makes a great – well, I know Christmas is over, but it still makes a great gift, right? Shrove Tuesday is what says – you know, Happy Shrove Tuesday, or Happy Arbor Day, for that matter, than a nice conspiracy show mug, theconspiracyshow.com. Uh, oh, I received this lovely, I guess it's a New Year's card. Let me, let me hold that up there. Can you see that? And uh, unfortunately, although this is handmade, it's beautiful, but the, um, the glue came off in the mail, and so it's, it, came, it came apart, but it's still very lovely. And let me just read it for you. I get lovely mail. It's nice to receive mail rather than just electronic, right? Dear Richard, you really are the best. I have listened to The Conspiracy Show for quite some time now and absolutely love it. A few of the many reasons. You are an outstanding interviewer. Is she listening to the right show? Uh, your topics are varied and compelling. Well, thanks to Albert for that. You have a good sense of humor. Uh, you are obviously a man of morals and character. Well, Margaret, you've clearly been drinking. <laughs> Uh, my only complaint is that you are not on more fre- frequently. And by the way, some of my favorite shows are the woo-woo stuff, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, UFOs, etc. And I love the shows with R. Gary Patterson. Uh, but your more esoteric shows are great, too. I wish you, the mighty Aphrodite, and your twins a wonderful new year. Looking forward to more great radio. God bless you, Margaret Harden in West Sacramento, California. Margaret, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Beautiful card. All right. Um... What else did I want to say? I guess that's it for now. Uh, listen, breaking news from uh, Mitch Batro's Science of Cycles newsletter. The Earth breaks a heat record. Now, it's not breaking news this part. I mean, we knew or we heard uh, that, that we were breaking all sorts of heat records in 2016. But uh, Mitch says why this means nothing. Why the heat record we set in 2016 means nothing. He writes... Last year, the Earth sweltered under the hottest temperatures in modern times for the third year in a row, U.S. scientists said Wednesday, raising new concerns about the quickening pace of climate change. Uh, Temperatures sparked uh, to new national highs in parts of India, Kuwait, and Iran, while sea melted faster than ever in the fragile Arctic, said the report by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. By the way, they were hacked by the Russians. That's true. Uh, They didn't say anything about it then, though. Uh, Taking a global average of the land and sea temperatures for the entire year, the NOAA found the data for 2016 was the highest since record-keeping began in 1880. Mitch puts that in quotes. That's important. 2016 was the highest since record-keeping began in 1880, said the announcement. And there's your answer to why this means nothing, Mitch says. The recording of temperature variations is barely over 100 years old. This is nothing as it related to geographical shi- geological shifts, which can be measured in thousands of years, millions of years, and even billions of years. It's all relative to cycles, short-term cycles, long-term cycles, medium-term cycles, cycles within cycles. The spin cycle. Let's not forget the spin. Climate cycles can be associated to solar cycles, which in themselves provide short, medium, and long-term cycles. Climate variants can also be associated to solar system cycles, which are driven by interplanetary 
cyclical disturbances, which include shifting variances in our galaxy Milky Way. To no surprise, it does not stop there. Unfortunately, our newest astronomical instruments do. Now, perhaps, Mitch writes, you can see why I have turned my attention to my latest body of research titled Science of Cycles. The further and more advanced our astronomical instruments are developed, the more we learn of the intricate web of causal effects identifying a relationship from our most distant galaxies to our small little house called Earth, which is located in our tiny neighborhood called Solar System, part of our city named Milky Way. Mitch Batros is a scientific journalist who is highly respected in both the scientific and spiritual communities because of his unique ability to bridge the gap between modern science and ancient text. Founded in 1995, Earth Changes Media was born with Batros as its creator and chief editor. Now Mitch heads up Science of Cycles, which continues his research with special attention to newly discovered findings indicating a cyclical connection between our galaxy Milky Way with our solar system, Sun and Earth. Science of Cycles has quickly found its way in becoming a top source for news and discoveries in the scientific fields of astrophysics, space weather, earth science, and ancient text. And his book, now available, Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise, and Solar Rain, The Earth Changes Have Begun, now available uh, for purchase, and we'll tell you how to get those in a moment. Mitch Batros, welcome aboard. How are you? Hello, Mitch. Not hearing Mitch. All right. We're off to a flying start. Ian will uh, attempt to get Mitch Batros back on the line. Is it because of the hangout on air he doesn't know that he has to be on the phone? Maybe not. All right. I'll tell you what we're going to do while we're trying to get Mitch Batros on the phone. Why don't we do any uh, idea? We're going to have to call him back. All right. Why don't we do that? While we're doing that, let me direct your attention. We have a cigar box next to me. We're going to do what's in the box here very quickly. We're going to introduce it anyway while we try to get Mitch back on the line. Now, last week we had Douglas Cottrell, remote viewer on the program, and and he kind of basically uh, read me the riot act. and And let's face it, our remote viewing experiment has been a bit of an abysmal failure. And basically, Douglas was saying, it's it's your fault uh, because I wasn't directing people's attention properly. So the idea here is we hit, we, I, we, we have something here in the box, an object. And Albert has been studying the protocols of remote viewing. And all of you listening at home, you can try and ascertain what is in the box. So I'm supposed to direct your attention. So in other words, I'm going to tell you. I have an object sitting in this cigar box. I'm opening the lid. That was the other uh, mistake that I made. I was concealing it too well. And it's sitting on my desk in my studio at this radio station, 70 Jefferson Avenue, Zoomer Radio, in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto. There, I've directed your attention. Now, hone in on the object sitting on my desk. And I want you to, f- I want you to focus. I want you to suspend your analytical mind. I want you to quiet your mind. And I want you to focus and allow the object to form in your mind. All right? Think about texture, think about color, think about size and shape. Maybe jot down some descriptive words that come up, or maybe even sketch it. All right? So we're going we're gonna, to, I've introduced it, we're going to set that aside, and we will reveal what's in the box a little bit later. 
And if you want to uh, partake, if you're listening at home and want to partake in our remote viewing experiment, use the hashtag TCS Remote. TCS Remote. And for the person uh, out there listening who comes closest, we'll set you up with some Conspiracy Show merch, maybe a T-shirt or a mug or a phone case. All right. I think we have Mitch Batros on the line. Mitch, are you there? I'm right here, Richard. Hey, Mitch. Welcome aboard. Good to have you with us. <laughs> it's great to be here. I, I got to tell your audience, uh, uh, folks, he's a real professional. You know, I, I, I've been where Richard is live on camera, and when things don't happen right, you know, you've got to be on your feet uh, and, and, and do a recovery. Richard, you did a great job. <laughs> well, I can, I'm, I can watch you on, on YouTube. I, uh, that's a great uh, deal that you have. Well, it's not so pretty, I'm afraid. I apologize for that in advance, but here I am. <laughs> and uh, the cleaning lady will be coming in and mopping up my flop sweat in a few moments. But no, all kidding aside, good, good, I understand. To, good to have you back with us, Mitch. Not a problem. So um, I was reading your um, from your newsletter. Letter. And uh, we all heard, you know, how, again, being warned that 2016 was the warmest on record. But you point out, listen, these records only go back to 1880. And we're talking about geological age, ages, geological ages that go back uh, millions and in some cases billions of years. And we have data that only goes back uh, 130-some years. It's not terribly significant. That's right. Um, so, uh Luckily, they, they kind of answer their, their own uh, uh, posturing in, in, in this article. Uh, I give them credit for that, at least giving us a reference. Some, some, uh, some of the articles that come out don't even do that. So we, it's such a small snippet of time. There's, it, it's, it's really, I would go beyond, uh, you know, disingenuous. I would call it reckless. It just doesn't give us a really clear idea of what's going on. And when we're talking about uh, uh, really what it comes down to is, is money and resources, um, and, you, and you send data out like this, it can mislead us into where we should direct our energy and finances. Right. In other words, yes, the earth may be warming, but compared to what? Compared to when? And you can, you can slice, take a slice and make any sort of pronouncement you want based on that little slice, but you've got to look at the big picture. And the big picture tells us what, Mitch? That, that we are well, living through cycles that are so long and complex, we can't even, you can't see the forest for the trees. That's right. Um, I did put a graph up on, uh, on my website, uh, scienceofcycles.com, and uh, under the, the title of, of, of that article, uh, Record Heat in 2016, and it, it shows um, a graph of a span of 400,000 years. 400,000 years, a little bit better than 120. All right, listen, and, I've got to jump in, Mitch. We've got the music uh, coming up. Uh, we've got you on. We're happy to have you here. When we come back, we'll talk about galactic cosmic rays and how they figure into these cycles and how they figure into climate change. Turns out... That could be the key to everything, cosmic rays. Back with more of my conversation with Mitch Batros from the Science of Cycles, scienceofcycles.com. Albert, Ryan, Ian in the house. Back with more on The Conspiracy Show. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. In a democracy, we elect officials so we can sleep at night. So why are you up? 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Mitch Batros on the line from Science of Cycles, scienceofcycles.com. Uh, Mitch, how do, uh, how do we get your, uh, your books? Um, through uh, Amazon, through my site, through Barnes and Nobles, you know, all the, the various uh, bookstores. All right. Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise, and Solar Rain, The Earth Changes Have Begun. Uh, let's talk about uh, the title of the first book, Global, Ra- uh, Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise, because we alluded to that in the um, off the top, talking about this. Uh, this study saying that 2016 was the hottest year on record, but only going back to 1880. So what do you mean by global warming, a convenient disguise? Um, in part, that was a play on... on uh, uh, Al Gore, I I Al Gore's uh, yeah, documentary. Gore. <laughs> right. on, on Gore's book, A Convenient... Uh, truth. Uh, uh, inconvenient Truth. Right. Um, and, yeah, I do go into detail of what the science says uh, uh, about what is global warming. Uh, first thing I did was identify where did that word or words come from. And it was literally born in, in the year 1988 by James Hansen. It was mm-hmm. in a, a Senate hearing. And they were talking about climate and other things and trying to get funding. And he literally made up the word uh, global warming. And global warming was born right then. Uh, and he went on to uh, to use the, the data, computer-generated data, to uh, support his hypothesis. Unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, is, uh, you know, incorrect data in makes incorrect data out. Uh, and the so-called uh, hockey stick was, was born by, uh, by man, M-A-N-N. Uh, and it was all based on hypotheticals, and nothing, none of it has, has played out, never has. Uh, and so we went into that and in, in exploring what he was trying to convey, and it just didn't add up. Well, as, as I mentioned before in a previous interview, I, I went right to the source. I went right to, directly to NOAA, and, and, and I mean directly to NOAA, like the director of space weather. Uh, and I also went to NASA as well to you know, find out the facts. And uh, none, none of the data added up. Um, partly of what he's, uh, what he was talking about were uh, El Nino uh, type of effects, and uh, that's a point of shifting ocean and jet stream currents, um, which does play with, uh, you know, has, has a strong role in weather patterns. But I went beyond that to find out, well, what is causing this El Nino, La Nina, La Cucaracha? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that is a play on words. Uh, and it, it, it really, as you mentioned before the break, it, it went back to um, outside of our atmosphere uh, and, and beyond our magnetic field. In other words, and, uh, in other words, Mitch, you're you're trying to understand uh, what is behind whether it's a, a period of global warming. Let's face it; we have had some global warming. We've also uh, the global warming then appeared to stall. Uh, there have been other periods in the Earth's history. We had the Little Ice Age where there have been global, there's been global cooling. Uh, so you're trying to understand what's behind this. Uh, and and your, the takeaway here is that while there may be some anthropogenic 
um, involvement, it, it's what? It's minimal and that for the real cause of climate change, if you look at the cycles, it's what? It's not putting carbon dioxide. We're at 400 parts per million in the atmosphere. Some call that a, a, a carbon dioxide starvation diet. When you consider in a greenhouse, when you grow those beautiful hothouse tomatoes that are available this time of year, what do the farmers pump into those greenhouses? Carbon dioxide. How much do they pump in? About 1,500, 1,200 to 1,500 parts per million. That's optimal for plant growth. We're sitting at 400 parts per million. That's a starvation diet. Anyway, well, I'm. That's right. Uh, yep. So, what do you what do you what do you say then is behind these these cycles? What's driving these cycles of climate change? Well, uh, I certainly will address that, and and perhaps just as importantly is what is driving James James Hansen. Well, it's it's probably a, a double-edged sword. Um, uh, as a researcher, I, I I can speak upon that. If if my if my theories uh, are not playing out as I have predicted, I probably will be defensive about it. Uh, I try to keep an open mind and, and I try to be humble enough to realize where I made some errors. And I've noticed this with many researchers when, when they produced uh, their material. I think that in part is what happened to James Hansen. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to back up if you've made some errors, especially after you've gone public with them. Um, and I, so I think that was part of what, what plays. The other part is really follow the money. Um, there, there's just an enormous amount of money involved in, in this uh, concept of, of global warming. And really, that's at the core uh, of, of what I have to say, and in part what's in that book, uh, is that there's only so much money to go around. If we put all our eggs in one basket, if you will, and we, and we go with this, uh, this idea of, of that... Uh, somehow we can prevent uh, global warming, and that we're the cause. Uh, and, and Hansen et al. believes that we're 100% responsible. All the research that I've done says that we do contribute, maybe the high numbers around 15%. So we do have some control on that. Uh, and, and I certainly know of not one person who is pro-pollution. I, I don't know anybody who would rather have pollution than something else. Just oh, agreed. There, there are lots of reasons why we need to um, obviously be more efficient with energy use. Energy security, for one thing, that plays into geopolitics and putting boots in the ground in, in places all over the world and, you know, getting b body bags back. So there's energy independence. There's a lot of reasons. And pollution, of course. Um, anyway, continue. Uh, so there, there, that plays for, for one uh, part of what I think is motivating this, this, this whole movement, if you will. And they, they got a big running start uh, in, in, in uh, really it's kind of a military strategy, and that is to win the hearts and minds of the public. And uh, that, that's, that's what's been driving them, and they, and they made some great progress. However, in the last, uh, oh, I'd say, three years, it's really starting to roll back. Um, the first thing they kind of successfully did is try to shame people, shame scientists, uh, if they were to go up against uh, the, the global warming theories. The shame, oh, what are you, pro-pollution? You know, it's, it's that black and white thing. It reminds me of George Bush uh, with the, the, the terrorist. You either with me or you're with the terrorist. And, and no, 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 wait a minute, let's back up. It has nothing to do with that. So uh, now setting that aside, well, if, 
if we're not 100% responsible or even the majority responsible for pollution or, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry about that, of warming trends or cooling trends, then what is? Um, and that leads me back over to uh, what, what's happening outside of our solar system, certainly within our solar system, directly related to the sun. And the conduit that connects it all is charged particles. These charged particles come in many, in many facets. The largest, uh, it, there, there is a spectrum uh, from, from small to large. The largest of the particles is actually the solar ray. Believe it or not, the least damaging of, of these uh, various charged particles. The most damaging one is the galactic cosmic ray, which also has to be the smallest. And there's also gamma rays. The, the, um, the thread that runs through all of them is radiation. Uh, and what we have found is that during our solar cycles, uh, even our short-term solar cycles, like the 11-year cycle, right. during the solar maximum, it's, it's, it's conflicting. Um, it, it certainly has a role when, when we're at solar maximum and large solar flares and coronal mass ejections and coronal holes are just shooting out at us. It's, it has a very spike. It's like a, a solid single punch. However, it's not the whole fight. Um, the, the bigger fight, the more damaging uh, scenario, are these smaller cosmic rays. However, during the time of, of, of uh, solar maximum, the big solar, uh, solar charges come. Uh, but uh, I would say probably counterintuitively, that the more damaging time is during solar minimum. The reason for that is that uh, when there's a less amount of solar energy uh, coming towards us and into the solar system, it lets in more galactic cosmic rays. Right, because during and a solar maximum, you have solar winds. And if you don't, in the absence right. of solar winds, you have nothing to, to sort of blow the, the other cosmic rays uh, coming in. Yes, you got it. Um, it's, it's a, it's a See that, Albert? I got exactly. it. Go ahead. Sorry. No, that's fine. Uh, and uh, so it's during these times of solar, of solar minimum that's really more damaging. Now, that's the, that's the short-term cycle. Now we that's go an, to, 11 years, uh, an 11-year cycle, right? The, the, the 11-year cycle. Right. When we go into a little bit larger cycle, like a 100-year cycle or even a 1,000-year cycle, we can see that we're in a trend of having... Uh, lower solar maximums uh, uh, in strength and higher durations of solar minimum. That doesn't play well for us. That means that during these longer cycles that uh, more uh, galactic uh, cosmic rays are coming through, and some of the new science that wasn't available 10 years ago when, when I wrote my second book is that, is that these charged particles uh, – actually penetrate our atmosphere, upper atmosphere, ionosphere, and down into our lower atmosphere and continue uh, all the way to our uh, outer core, to their outer core. And how do these cosmic uh, rays, uh, Mitch, how do they affect climate? Do they, do they cause cloud formation or what do they do? They, they cause heat. Um, and yes, well, no, no, actually you're right. Yes, they, cloud formation is a big part of it. That, um, when, when, uh, when we're speaking specifically to galactic cosmic rays, yes, there is data that strongly suggests that uh, cloud cover um, does play uh, a, a, major, a major role. Um, secondly, it's the heat element. The more uh, 
charged particles that, that make their way through, whether they be solar or, or cosmic, find their way to the, to the Earth's core. The Earth's core heats up. When the Earth's core becomes overheated, it begins to sweat. And the way the Earth sweats is through something called mantle plumes. And, the, it, it, and so if you can uh, visualize this viscous, uh, lava-like uh, liquid uh, purging up from, from the outer core through these, these pores, if you will, <laughs> I think it's a very good analogy of the same way when a human oversweats, uh, overheats, we sweat through our pores. Um, I would say same for the Earth. When the Earth overheats, it sweats too. So the, the, these, uh, the, cosmic rays, the cosmic rays penetrate into the atmosphere all the way to your Earth's core, and they cause volcanic an increase in underwater volcanic activity, which heats the oceans, which heats the atmosphere. Yes. Yes. You got it. Uh, of course, if that's a very good and simple answer, there's a little bit more complexity sure. to it. And how do we measure? Are we able to measure the cosmic rays? Do we have cosmic ray measurement stations here on Earth and in the atmosphere? Yes, we do. Uh, and the more sophisticated uh, our, our, our spacecraft, our instruments in space are becoming, uh, the further out we can go to, to collect this data, the more accurate it is. And there's also ground-based uh, uh, data that uh, where they collect uh, uh, cosmic cosmic rays, where they can where they can measure actually the whole spectrum of, of charged particles. Okay, I want to throw one uh, more thing into the equation because okay, so l- let me just recap here. We have the eleven-year sun cycle, and when we have a solar maximum. We have uh, a lot of sunspot activity. We've got solar winds blowing. But when we get to a solar minimum at the e- end of that 11-year cycle, no solar or very few solar winds. So the cosmic rays from further out in the galactic neighborhood start to come and penetrate the Earth's atmosphere all the way to the Earth's core, uh, heat up the Earth's core. The Earth begins to sweat in the form of underwater volcanic activity, which heats the oceans. Now, what about... And I've heard you talk about this. I've read it on scienceofcycles.com. The weakening of the Earth's magnetic field, which also plays a part in keeping some of these cosmic rays at bay. So what's so bring that into the equation. Well, that's right. Uh, that uh, simply compounds the, the situation. Uh, and that is a great launching point to, to venture into the idea of, of these cycles within cycles. But I'll, we'll return to that in a second. Uh, that's right. The, the Earth's magnetic field is, is weakening. In fact, uh, data that it's about two years old now, um, the measurements are showing that it's, that it's weakening ten times faster than it did a century ago. Um, has the Earth seen this before? You bet. <laughs> Many times. Uh, so all of this plays into the, to this role of, of warming and cooling trends. Not just small 11-year cycles, and not even just 100-year cycles, but uh, you know, thousands of year cycles. The next largest cycle would be the 41,000-year cycle that plays a role in the precession, uh, and that has to do with the uh, dynamics of, of the Earth's position, uh, that it wobbles and rotates, uh, and that too has a big role in warming and cooling trends, and also the direction of which these the galactic particles would enter into our solar system, our sun, of course, and into the Earth as well. All right. We'll uh, take a time out. Mitch Batros, author of Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise. I can just hear the tweets going out now. How dare you have this person, this 
denier on. Uh, and also uh, the author of Solar Rain, The Earth Changes Have Begun, Mitch Batros, scientific journalist with Science of Cycles, scienceofcycles.com, the website, back with more of our conversation in mere moments. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Poking holes in the darkness. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To see the light, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-740. Uh, welcome back. Mitch Batros, scienceofcycles.com, the website, his books, Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise, and Solar Rain, The Earth Changes Have Begun. Uh, just a quick uh, tweet I'll get you to respond to, Mitch, from Anonymous. Can your guest address the exponential amount of blacktop asphalt that has been laid and retention of solar heat via rising temps? Uh, so the idea here that uh, as we continue to urbanize and we continue to pave things over, that blacktop or asphalt is reflecting the sun. It's also absorbing a lot of heat, um, but it's reflecting some of the heat or radiating the heat back up into the atmosphere. What role would that play? Uh, what role would that contribute to uh, global warming? Well, a great talking point. You know, of course, that, that that's a good point. It always comes up, and sure, it, it plays a role. The the question has always been how much, how much of a role, and what the global warming enthusiasts will tell you is it plays a a hundred percent role. I mean, um, you know, anything that that humans contribute to, if anything that it does with advancement uh, and, and and so forth, of such as paved roads and and uh, HUVs and all these, you know, the big cars and so forth. Um, sure, it does play a role, but it's a much smaller role than, than what most people think. The Earth and its neighborhood uh, has a remarkable method of balancing itself. Um, it finds its equilibrium. It, 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 it does things that a human might, might do to find its ambient, uh, uh, ambient temperature. Right, such as sweating, um, uh, and one of one of the arguments that that I always like to point out when that particular thing comes up is, you know, in, in our in our uh, in our history, we've had uh, a much larger volcanic uh, activity uh, that would put you know about three years of I think we we mentioned this for one one large volcano. Uh, Puts enough carbon out that uh, would otherwise take three years, uh, just in the standards that we have today. That's right. You and I talked about this when we were on coast to coast together. You have one of these eruptions, a major eruption, Mount Etna or or some large volcano, and and after three or four days, it's put so much ash and carbon into the atmosphere, carbon dioxide. Uh, Anything that we've done to try and curb carbon dioxide emissions over the last three, four, five years will be undone in a matter of days. So what's the point? You can't fight. It's like shoveling sand against the tide. Well, that's that's true, and this is why I, I try to be careful uh, with the audience because I uh, want to continue to drive the the point that I don't know 
of one single person that is pro-pollution. If there was another way, I think we would all do it. Um, it it's not about being for or against pollution. I, I just don't see it in, 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 in that frame. Oh, 100%. But, but we have to remember, though, that carbon dioxide isn't a pollutant. It's a, it's a nutrient, right? Without it, without it, we all die. Well, yes, that's, that's, that's true as well. Um, uh, the, the other factors that I, I might introduce to when, when these kind of arguments come up is uh, where were all these paved roads and, and, and these uh, HUVs and uh, larger vehicles, uh, polluting vehicles, in 1935? Um, uh, why was it that we had this incredible uh, phenomenon we call the Dust Bowl of the 1930s? Um, it had, had nothing to do with, with the things that we have today, yet it was there. Um, uh, so these cycles are going to happen with or without us. Uh, if there were no humans on Earth, we would see these warming and cooling trends. It's, that, that's the way it is. So um, when, when you have a mindset of, well, let's stop paving roads, let's don't cut any more trees, let's, you know, I think it really misses the point. It's really sad because that gives the idea that somehow we can prevent warming and cooling trends, and we cannot. We can prepare for them. We can have an element of preparation. Uh, you know, we, we, we can't create uh, uh, perhaps better societies that, that, uh, or, you know, that we recycle and so forth. That's for better living, and it's nothing's wrong with preparing for um, a harsh warming or cooling trend that's coming our way. But to think that we can prevent it is a waste of time and money and energy, and, and it's... Um, it's scary to me when I, when I see such support that has been going on for the last 10 years. Uh, it's kind of like, uh, excuse this analogy, but this is about the time the global warming was starting to catch hold, and that, that was in the, around two, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003. So I compare this analogy to we have terrorism. Um, let's go attack Iraq. Well, why Iraq is the problem. They're the, they're the ones who had something to do with the, with the terrorism here. Uh, and the, we now know that that was not the cause at all. In fact, it was the wrong country. That's right, uh, because Saddam Hussein so, was a bulwark against yeah. terrorism. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I want to get back to the cosmic rays for a moment because I find this fascinating. You mentioned that this, you know, we're all familiar with the solar flares and solar radiation and so forth. But these other cosmic rays, which this is radiation, gamma rays and so forth, uh, is there, do they have a cycle? Uh, because let's say, for example, there's a supernova uh, way out in the far reaches of um, the galaxy. And, I mean, how, how long does it take those, 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 those rays, those cosmic rays to reach Earth? Let's say it's, well, I guess it would take, if it's four light years away, it's going to take, what? Four years, well, right? right. No, no, you, you see, that, that is a great point, Richard. And that is where my research has taken me now. This is, this is just where I've been in the last three years. I, I could not have answered this question just three years ago. But uh, um, it, it, I ventured as far as I could, and of course there's never enough, there's always more, in, my, in the Sun-Earth connection. But I sure was curious about, well, what is it that drives our solar system? Where is the connection? And, and even though I had that drive to do that, that inclination, um, did, we have, uh, did we have the materials, uh, such as the space, spacecraft uh, out in space, that could give us those answers? We did not back then. We do now. So now, with, with such instruments, 
we can start to see where these pulsars uh, and these novas and supernovas uh, come from. We could follow it backwards is, is how it's done uh, and how far away it was. So here is the issue of relativity. So even though an event occurred 100,000 years ago, um, it, does that, even though it occurred 100,000 years ago, how, how does that affect us today? Well, well, hang on. Let me get you to uh, hold that point, Mitch. I'll get you to hold that point, Mitch. We'll, uh, we'll answer that on the other side. The Conspiracy Show with Mitch Batros, The Science of Cycles. Stay with us. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Uh, welcome back. Just checking the uh, Twitter feed. I have a lot of uh, people tweeting in uh, with their guesses the re- for our remote viewing exper- uh, experiment, What's in the Box? And someone, uh, Leanne, uh, says a whistle. Uh, let's see who else. Um, Mike R., something round yellow, a round yellow bowl with suns on it. Carlsberg says a pen. Uh, anyway, we will do the reveal in the second hour, and we'll hunker down and do a, a proper re- remote viewing experiment uh, for what's in the box with uh, Albert and uh, Ryan and Ian and all of you listening at home. And again, the uh, the hashtag is TCS, as in the conspiracy show, TCS Remote. Uh, Mitch Batro stays with us for a little bit uh, yet, talking about the science of cycles. Global warming, a convenient disguise, and solar rain, the Earth changes have begun. We were talking about these... Um, uh, galactic events. Uh, let's say, let's say there's some sort of um, an event, a supernova, a hundred thousand years ago. So you could, let's say, look at l- l- what would you investigate? The um, uh, tree rings, or what? What sort of evidence are you looking for here on Earth that points to some sort of, I don't know, cataclysmic climate event that you could then relate to a cosmic event? That's right. Again, right on. Um, the only way that that could work, Richard, is is uh, is cycles, is to measure it in cycles. Um, it has, there has to be a, an element of repeatability uh, to be able to have any element of of, of uh, actual uh, predictability or analysis. So if you if you can gather data and there's an element of repeatability, that that contributes a huge amount to to a, a person's uh, research. So that's where the, the tree rings come in, uh, ice core samples, lake bottom sediment, um, because there it all lies. It's, a, it, it's all in, in plain sight. We didn't have the instruments to measure that until more recently, and as instruments become better and better, we get more accurate. But clearly, we, we already now have instruments that, uh, show us these patterns. In fact, an article just came out um, uh, a couple of days ago um, that they have found that in tree rings of uh, of uh, uh, these uh, uh, solar cycles, and uh, again had have a measure of repeatability, and it, it did have a, a measurement of about 10.6 years as opposed to 11, very close, 
And the cycle, the ebb and flow of the cycle was almost exactly as it is today. Um, what is the takeaway? The takeaway is that we've been seeing these solar cycles for millennia. Uh, and we have the hard data to show it, that there's always been uh, uh, periods of warming and periods of cooling. There have always been cycles of the sun, always cycles of the earth, always cycles of the galaxy. And that is the next step. There is an ebb and flow to the galaxy named Milky Way. Um, that's, that's where my research has taken me now. Only because we have the instruments to measure it. We couldn't do it before. Do you, uh, um, do you, do you uh, think that the Mayan long count calendar, which is what, 5,136 years, and it ended on um, in December, the winter solstice in 2012. Do you think the Mayans understood these cycles and that's what the long count calendar was about? It was about one of these oh, cosmic cycles? That is just tremendous, Richard. I, I, I wish your audience could see this. I have a note right in front of me <laughs> that I just wrote five minutes ago to bring up the Mayans. Um, and that had to do with... I'm remote viewing, years. Mitch. I'm remote viewing. <laughs> oh, speaking of the box, let me throw mine in. All right. I'm going to say it has something to do with Valentine's Day. Some kind of heart or something red, something arrow. All right. Well, I'm going to reveal at midnight, so you'll have to be uh, <laughs> listening and paying attention. Uh, yes, the Mayans. Uh, you know, you're, you're right on, Richard. That, that they only to, uh, There's only two ways that, in my mind, that, that the... the to, to give the credibility to such a ancient uh, civilization, such as the Mayans and the Egyptians and so forth. And that is this. Uh, they were either here a lot longer than we had thought. Uh, most data tells us that it was, uh, you know, maybe 2,000, 10,000 years ago. What if it was 50,000 years ago or 60? Who knows? Uh, I, I, that's where I lean. I lean more towards... The civilizations, ancient civilizations have been here a whole lot longer than what most data tells us now. Uh, the other one is that there's some kind of intelligent source out somewhere that came to help us out with this, with this knowledge. Sure, sure. Uh, so it's either a way, uh, there's that element of repeatability and long-term cycles. With the Mayans, uh, I believe it's either 50 or 55,000 years. Of, of history and the accuracy that they have provided. It could have only come in, in the two ways I mentioned, that they have been here long enough to pass it down to generation to generation, or some outside source must have provided that information. Okay, we've got about six minutes left here, so I want to get to a couple of things very quickly. One, um, a coming pole shift. First of all, what is a pole shift, and how likely is it to occur in the not-too-distant future? It's a hundred percent to occur uh, in the future. My best guess is that we will see that the the end times of it uh, uh, in in about fifty years. So those that are living in in fifty to sixty years from now, uh, I believe we'll see magnetic uh, north bounce significantly, including below the equator. Um, that's what history tells us, is that it's just not one swift uh, flip. Um, the, the stages are what we see now, that it's moving faster than it ever has. Uh, the, you know, the FAA has uh, all anything to do with uh, air, airlines that they have to recalibrate their instruments almost weekly. So in other words, it's not a pole shift is not, uh, you know, the, the Earth basically 
turning abruptly on its axis and north suddenly is south and south is north, up is down and down is up, it means that magnetic north is drifting around, could drift below the equator. Uh, and, and, so, But what is the significance of that? What will what, happen here on Earth? Is that cataclysmic? It will be for some species. Uh, those that are most dependent and sensitive to magnetic grid lines, such as birds and turtles and you know various animals, uh, they will be they will have the greatest impact. They'll lose their way. They'll literally lose their way. And and, and uh, unfortunately, I, I think we're going to see the end of, of, of species uh, in, in our near future. Um, I think that there will there will be some climate shifts. It's not an overnight type of deal, and it won't be a large uh, shift like, uh, you know, once before we mentioned um, uh, the mammoths uh, found in, in Alaska or wherever it was um, with, with, uh, with plants that you, you would see in the, uh, somewhere around the equator. I think that had something more to do with a, something like an asteroid hit or something. Okay. But um, no, the, there's, not gonna, there's not going to be a crustal displacement. It's not about a ball rolling. It's about the magnetics um, okay. uh, inside the Earth. One last quick sure. question, and I wish we, I'd like to, I'm going to bring you back on because I want to spend an hour just on this. We talked about these cosmic rays and these cycles and that they have an effect on climate. Uh, but you and I have also talked about this. Back in the 30s, President Hoover uh, commissioned or, or formed a... Um, an organization that studied the science of cycles, but from an economic standpoint. Uh, so what I'm wondering is, these cosmic rays, do they impact on other things besides climate? Do they impact on, for example, human activity, economics? Um, I, would go, I would take it in two ways. As far as economics, there are already people who have approached me um, over the last decade related to, uh, you know, uh, vegetation of some type, of really more closely related to, to weather patterns. Um, the other side of that is, is there evidence that show that charged particles affect human emotions? The answer to that is yes as well. Uh, you know, there's... there's uh, uh, an instrument that's being used pretty readily today that's been around for about 10 years now called transcranial magnetic stimulation. Um, so we're talking about magnetics. We're talking about magnetic stimulus to the brain. And it's used mostly for emotions of, of one type or another, uh, also Alzheimer's, uh, but the depression and, and various other mental health uh, facets. So the question, do, do these charged particles not only affect the Earth, but do they affect... Uh, you, really, all living things, the answer is yes. Well, this is uh, fascinating, Mitch, because, because, and I think this was what Hoover's foundation about studying cycles was all about, and I think that the, you know, we talk about the 1%, it's not the 1%, it's the point zero 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 one percent These are the, the ultra-wealthy. I think these people have tapped into this knowledge. They understand that these cosmic cycles, these cosmic rays, affect human emotion, and that there is an, this same cycle underlying cycle to, for example, uh, uh, you know, economic crashes and, and, um, and the, you know, the rise and the fall of the stock market? Because let's face it, economics is driven by human emotion. The stock market is driven by human emotion. 
And I think they you know, they say you can't time the market, but if you have an understanding of these cycles, that's I think how the super super wealthy make their money. They understand these cycles. What do you say to that? I think you're onto something. Uh, there have been some studies uh, re- related to these cycles and uh, and, and war uh, and, and you know the settlement of one type or no- another. I I, I wish I, I don't have a lot of answers in that area other than to say I can't deny it. I mean, there's nothing that says that's that's silly. Nothing. Uh, in fact, it says just the opposite. Especially in my research related to. Uh, uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation, um, because I, I used to study uh, uh, acupuncture as well. Same kind of theory. Uh, you're dealing with the, the meridians of the body, energy points, if you will, has to do with electricity. Uh, and it, what's the whole point of it is to bring back balance. Uh, and when the body's out of balance, then it manifests as an illness of some one type or another. Um, so are there the 0.1% that understand that? I think you've got a great question. Uh, Mitch, uh, a great pleasure. We'll have you back again and again and again, I'm sure. In the meantime, we'll direct people to the website, scienceofcycles.com, scienceofcycles.com. And the book's Global Warming, A Convenient Disguise, and Solar Rain, The Earth Changes Have Begun, uh, available online, Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and uh, just about anywhere. Just uh, Google it. Uh, Mitch, thank you for this. You're welcome, Richard. It was a pleasure. And best wishes on this on this YouTube thing. I, 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 I hope it's a great success. Thanks, Mitch. We'll talk again. All right. Strangeplanet.ca is your portal to this program and uh, much more. Please visit it. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, T. And as always, follow the truth. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, Earth, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio. Hey, thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, taxi, RV, camper, your parents' basement, your loft... That greasy spoon just off the interstate and your cabin in the woods. A special hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zoomer Radio, AM 740. The largest broadcast footprint in North America. That's what we mean by a blowtorch station. 50,000 watts, baby. 50,000. It's a blowtorch. And you can hear us across Ontario, parts of Quebec, something like 28 states in the U.S., but basically from Maine to Minnesota all the way down to the Carolinas and points in between. Uh, hello to all of you listening in on uh, one of our affiliate stations, of course, and the, uh, the podcasts, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, uh, TuneIn.com, and TalkZone.com. Uh, and if, if you can't get the podcast, well, first of all, um, get the app, the Conspiracy Show app or the Zoomer Radio app. Problem solved. But if for whatever reason the program is not available, the podcast isn't up on iTunes or TuneIn or whatever because I get emails occasionally. People say it's not working. Um, that's beyond my pay scale. I don't know. But you can always go to TalkZone.com. Just give it a few days and it will be there, the podcast. But the, the, the quick, easy answer is get the app. It's a, a fantastic app. 
the Conspiracy Show app, and it's a free download. Uh, Zuma Radio app is also absolutely stellar. Uh, all of you listening in via the um, the apps, and of course a shout out a shout out to all of you uh, watching us on the uh, the live YouTube stream. And again, just go to the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, and subscribe. And then you can stream us uh, live on YouTube. Or if you miss us live, you can go back and watch it later. Wherever and however you are listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Uh, This hour, open lines. Open lines. Wherever you want to steer this thing, climb on board at 416-360-0740. That's the Greater Toronto Area. 416-360-0740. And toll-free from just about anywhere, 866-740-4740. If you want to talk about something you've heard on a previous show, uh, and we've had some good ones of late, um, in fact... Marcus Allen was with us, when was that, Albert, uh, a couple weeks ago, just after the new year, talking about evidence that the lunar landings were a hoax, not just Apollo 11, but all of them, right through till uh, Apollo 17, and he, he de- delves really into the photographic evidence. Uh, and I had Marcus on Coast to Coast with me last night for three hours, and he stirred the pot. <laughs> and I tell you, that's uh, almost like a sacred cow, and I understand why. The lunar landing hoax. I mean, it is uh, perceived as the pinnacle of human achievement and, of course, American know-how. And let's face it, a lot of people paid the ultimate price working for the space program. A number of people died during uh, the Gemini program. Uh, Horrible capsule fire um, during Apollo 1. And, um, you know, various uh, crashes of uh, the starfighters and the um, various aircraft, all part of the space space program, who died. So to question the veracity of the lunar landings is a a sore point with many, understandably so. However, uh, we don't shy away from uh, controversy, and we we try and present a uh, a respectful platform. However, um, if you want to talk about Marcus Allen and what he had to say about the space program, if you want to talk about... Uh, Trump, uh, it's been an historic 72 hours, the inauguration, the protests, the uh, unwinding of the Obama legacy at the stroke of a pen uh, with President Trump. Uh, we, can, we can go there, certainly. If you want to talk, uh, if you want to report a UFO, I guess now the proper term is uh, it's not UFO. We're not supposed to call them UFOs anymore, Albert. We're supposed to call them UAPs. Have you heard? Have you heard? Yeah, unidentified. I've heard two unidentified anomalous anomalous rather phenomena, unidentified anomalous phenomena, or uh, is it ide- unidentified aerial phenomena? Sorry, not gonna. I'm not. I'm not ever gonna call them UAPs. They're UFOs. I mean, why mess with the brand, right? We've we've called them UFOs since Kenneth Arnold for seventy years, and now all of a sudden you're gonna call them UAPs? That sounds like some sort of a I don't know a teachers' union. The UAP, we're fighting for our rights, or, I don't know, a, a parcel service? UAP, it's not UAP, they're UFOs. That's it. <laughs> um, so we can talk about that, or if you've had a ghostly encounter, uh, maybe you've got a haunted object. Remember that guy that called in and he had um, he had inherited, uh, it was a clown doll or something from someone in the family, and uh, he, it was haunted. 
uh, or possessed, perhaps, whatever the case may be. So if you want to talk about that, maybe you've got a, a ghost problem. I can't really remedy the situation. Rosemary Ellen Guiley isn't with us, but we can chat about it. Um, so, again, open lines, 416-360-0740, 866-744-740. So now we're going to get to what's in the box. We teased it in the, uh, the first hour. Uh, and again, Albert Vinzel, my story producer, remote viewer is here, technical producer Ian Robertson, our fine rockabilly friend uh, on the other side of the glass, uh, Ian Robertson, is um, twisting the, uh, the knobs and the dials. And uh, for those of you listening at home again, use the hashtag, if you want to guess, if you want to partake in a remote viewing experiment, use the hashtag TCS, that's The Conspiracy Show, remote, TCS remote. And, again, we had Douglas Cottrell, Canada's Edgar Casey, on the show last week. And he really read me the riot act. He blamed the failure of this remote viewing experiment on me because uh, poor Albert uh, is, is about one for 11 now. He got very close with one. Do you remember that one, Albert? You had um, – it was – what was it, a Brussels sprout or something? No, it was an uh, olive. olive. An yeah. olive. And you – what did you say it was? <laughs> you were close anyway. You said something. Green some, pepper. A something green like pepper. It. That's right. A, a, a vegetable of some sort. You were close, but after that, nothing. And, and Douglas Cottrell blamed me in a nice way. Um, I'm not directing people's attention properly. So sitting in a cigar box with the lid open on my desk here in the radio station, in the studio at 70 Jefferson Avenue at the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village, Toronto, there is an object. So suspend your critical analytical mind, quiet your mind, focus, hone in on this object. If you want to guess, hashtag TCS Remote. For those of you in studio, Ryan and Ian and Albert, I welcome your participation. And uh, for those of you listening at home, whoever comes closest, I'll, I'll set you up with some Conspiracy Show merch from our online store. Check, out, check it out at theconspiracyshow.com. And store, we've got uh, phone cases and mugs and T-shirts and sweatshirts and hoodies and so forth. Okay. So, um, I had lots of fun hosting Coast to Coast last night. Really stirred things up with uh, Joel Skousen, who's been on this show. It's been a while since we've had Joel from World Affairs Brief. Uh, I got to tell you, though, we had a lot of, uh, I got a lot of emails uh, that were taken aback that, uh, we would have Joel Skousen on the program, and he would actually offer up opinions that differ from their own, um, and that he would be allowed to do so, which is always remarkable to me. People would start an email, I can't believe how biased your guest was. Well, yes, a bias. Most people have them. It's called an opinion, and we have you know, the right to, uh, to voice them, but some people take umbrage with that. They don't think they should be allowed. Uh, but what's interesting is I got about 50, uh, 50 emails, roughly, and split right down the middle. Because Joel is a conservative, to say the least. Somewhat like myself, somewhere right of Attila the Hun. Um, but, uh, and Joel, not afraid to voice his opinions, and that's why we have him on the air. He has a particular viewpoint. And uh, not exactly pro-Trump, but at least he's, behi- you know, he's behind the president. He wants him to succeed. And so we talked about that on Coast. And I had about, I said, again, about 50 emails and tweets split right down the middle. And half of them were saying, how dare you have this person coming on supporting Trump? President Trump, uh, and then the other half somehow didn't think that Joel was supporting the president enough. So you know you're doing it right when you get that kind of a split. Uh, but we'll get Joel back on the program because, you know, this, this whole Trump thing is um, 
obviously we are in for a fascinating four years, at least four years. Let's see what the next 100 days uh, bring. So if you want to talk about that, we can do that. Um, and then I mentioned, you know, we had Marcus Allen. I had him on Coast last night. I've had him on here a couple of weeks ago. We can talk about, if you want to talk about the photographic evidence that the lunar landing was a hoax. Um, all right, so why don't we do what's in the box here? Now, Albert, Ryan, Ian, let me get you to weigh in here. Are you getting anything? Are you getting any images, Albert? Well, I, I really like Mitch's answer. I was thinking the same thing. I wrote down Little Red Book, and I drew like a square with four lines on it. But he said Valentine's Day card, red heart, square book, red. Okay. Ian, did you get anything? Uh, I was seeing something square or something round also at the same time. Square like a, or round? Or I, I saw a sphere, and then I saw like a cube. A cube. Okay, a cube. All right. Any colors, any texture? No. Okay. All right. Ryan? I let it kind of uh, start to manifest, and I saw kind of a, a poof of smoke, and then I pictured like a, a small dinosaur creature in that smoke. A dinosaur. Yeah. Keep in mind, this is a small humidor. Yeah. A little, <laughs> you mean a toy doing? Like oh, a, little, a toy a little dinosaur. Toy. Yeah, a little oh, toy one. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. I thought when you said the puff of smoke, you were going to say something about the Vatican or the election of a pope. <laughs> All right. Um, we, will, uh, we will do the reveal on that in a moment. Why don't we grab a call? And let's see. Who do we have? Let me bring my screener up here. Oh, uh, Ron in Burlington. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. He wants to talk about climate change. Hey, Ron. Hi. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. I really enjoyed your last guest. And then when I heard him talking about sun cycles and stuff like that and climate change, I said, Oh, I'm not going to bed now. I've got to at least phone in and, and give a plug for a, an excellent book that there's so much information out there and misinformation about climate change. It's no wonder the average person in Canada and the United States cannot make an intelligent decision and separate the wheat from the chaff. Um, if you forgive me for plugging it, I have nothing to do with these two professors. But uh, it's called Taken by Storm mm -hmm. by Ross McKittrick, and he's, he's an economist at the University of Guelph, a and, professor. And does he subscribe to anthropogenic global warming? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Let, let me tell you the other person, first of all. I'll, I'll give you a little quick story of how I got a hold of this book. Okay, well, you only got about a minute. Oh, all yeah. right. The other person is Chris Essex. They both deserve to be mentioned because if you really want to understand climate change, then the first thing you have to understand is that the greenhouse effect is a metaphor, dumbed down so people would understand. And two, you cannot speak of the average global temperature. Oh, exactly. The There's no such thing. There's no There's such no thing, thing as an average global temperature. Absolutely. It's as meaningless as the average global phone number. That's right. Okay. That's right. But if I get those two things across and people buy that book and read it, I will have done a, a, a great disservice and so will you. A, a great service. All right. Okay, Ron, appreciate it. Thanks for checking in from Burlington. All right, we'll take a time out, come back, open lines. We'll uh, reveal what's in the box. Interesting stories as well yet to come. Uh, the United States in Congress, they have introduced a bill to pull the United States out of the U.N. It's called the... Uh, something about the U.S. Uh, uh, Regaining American Sovereignty Act or something like that. We'll talk about that. And an interesting Western from the 1950s that's somewhat prophetic about the rise of Trump. We'll play a clip from that as well. 416 3600740 866 740 4740
Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth will set you free, but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, welcome back. Uh, we will uh, do the reveal on what's in the box in just a moment. Uh, Albert, why don't you uh, go to the Twitter feed? What are uh, And people, again, use the hashtag TCS remote. Right. Oh, it just got three new notifications. And Carlsberg says a journal. And uh, the same Carlsberg says a ball and a deck of cards. Uh, Sally says she sees a round, clear crystal with a clear star point. It's end pointing at the crystal. All right. A toothbrush from Ross. Uh, let's see. Uh, something liquid in a container from Benjamin. And uh, an Evian bottle from uh, Amanda. A whistle from Leanne. Um, All right. That's enough for now. Yeah, we, I think I mentioned the whistle earlier. Okay. Uh, Melanie is here in Toronto. Melanie wants to weigh in and remote view. Melanie, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Welcome. Hello. Hi there. Hi. How are you? I'm just fine. Top drawer. Thank you for asking. Happy New Year, by the way, Richard. You just made it. This is the cutoff. Actually, I think February, January 22nd. Uh, after oh, that, is it? <laughs> well, this is my, I just made it up, actually. But after this, oh, you can't, uh, otherwise you'd have people June 27th wishing people a happy New Year. And that's just a recipe for chaos. We oh, can't I have see. that. Okay. okay. So happy New Year. <laughs> Thank you. Um, oh, w- one thing um, before I tell you what I saw um, in remote viewing. Um, remember when I said once a month ago, quite a while ago actually, that you asked me on the show that uh, who will win the, uh, to be a president? And I said that Trump will. Ah, yes. Okay. You made that prediction. Good for you. Um, Vaguely, yes. Yeah. Vaguely. Good for you. You got it. You nailed it. Well, you see, all the pollsters should have hired you down in the U.S. because (laughs) they just failed miserably, didn't they? Well, I lost a friend in the U.S., one of them, because of that. Oh, that's terrible. Have you? <laughs> oh, well. it's, it's never been so divisive. And you know what? Extremely, yeah. I know. It's, it's, it's really a shame. It is. It's dividing. It is. It's, I was reading about, like, during the U.S. Thanksgiving, how people that were supporting Trump were disinvited by oh. their family, their own families, daughters oh and sons, basically disowning their own parents for supporting <laughs> Trump. And I, I got to be honest, I didn't read about the other thing happening. I didn't read about, you know, uh, Trump people disinviting Clinton supporters and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a shame. It's really bad. It, it shouldn't be happening like this. No, no. All right, Melanie, you wanted to uh, to do some uh, remote viewing here. What's yes. in the box? Uh, um, well, when I first heard this before, I saw something round, ecru color or like a, a light grayish, you know, to yellow color. And it had something to do with either around design or on top of it, like um, a race, sort of like um, star or a, like a flower petals. Hmm. So when I when I then I thought, well, it kind of resembled all um, almost like you know that that seashell that um, 
what is it called? Dollar something? Silver dollar? The silver yeah, dollar seashell. Yeah, something like that. Right, yeah. right, okay. When you find it on a, on a, on a, uh, on a sand on a beach. Right, right. Yeah, so that, this is what came to me this time. <laughs> well, Melanie, that's, a, that's an interesting guess. Um, nobody came close. I'm going to do the reveal right now, actually. No one even came close. What is it? Domino. Domino. That's right. <laughs> Domino. All right. I don't know. We'll, we'll keep trying. We'll keep trying. Maybe I'm still not directing people's attention well enough. Melanie, hey, listen, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And I'm sorry you lost your friend down in the United States. Well, that's her choice, right? <laughs> well, just keep reaching out. Keep reaching out. You be the bigger person. Thank you for the call. Uh, let's say Pedro is checking in from Los Angeles, from the City of Angels. Pedro, welcome. How are you? Welcome, uh, Richard. Love your show. Thank you. How are you listening in, by the way? Um, actually, I'm going to hang out on air. Oh, great. Okay. And, and I'm calling about Donald Trump's speech on Friday about uh, about medical, about life extensions, and about uh, renewable energies, about... Uh, technologies being suppressed to the public. Wow, that's a lot of stuff, Pedro. Let's okay. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with start with the inaugural speech? Yeah, with the what we he was saying about life extensions. Trump was talking about life extensions. I don't remember that. Yeah, he was saying about uh, technology suppressed to the public about how we're going to make strides in this millennium. Oh, okay, yeah, I think he generally talked about, you know, I think he generally talked maybe about technology, although that doesn't stand out anyway. All right, so you want, what do you, what do you, um, how do you feel about life-extending technology? Well, it's good in some ways, in other ways, you know, depends on how it's used, because anything that's good could be misused, too. Right. I mean, I'm not sure that he was talking about the transhumanist movement, which I, which you know, I I have some problems with. The idea uh, of the transhumanist movement. I mean, they're talking about radically extending no, no, human life. I'm, I'm, I'm I think he's talking about more of uh, medicine-wise, uh, better technology, like in hospitals and things like that. Okay. Well, he did during the campaign talk about certain life-saving medications, uh, and but due to certain regulations, they're being held back, and he wants to speed up, um, I guess, studies so that these life-saving medications can be released to the public faster, which, you know, who could argue with that? Yeah, that's true. Well, that's really much I would, uh, wanted to talk about. Thank you so much, uh, Richard. Love hey, Pedro. Hey, great to hear from you. Call again, Pedro. Thank you. All the best. Uh, let's go to Niagara, and Dave joins us here on The Conspiracy Show. Good evening, Dave. Hi, Richard. Good to talk to you again. Likewise. Um, one thing I'd l- like to know is, uh, if you don't mind, what draws you to be a conservative? Uh, common sense, for one thing. Um, and that's my perspective. That's my opinion. That I look at the world and I say, "Well, what makes sense here?" And also, um, you know, life experience informs my worldview. And I say, I think that it, it does for everyone, right? Your experiences shape who you are, who you become, the choices that you make. Hopefully, they're based on your experiences and common sense. Shape who you are. We are ultimately uh, what we choose, the choices that we make. 
Okay, I guess to be more specific, what is it that you find, you know, that, that would br- uh, bring you to be a conservative? What are what, the drawing points? I mean, what are the highlights? Because I'm having a little difficult time seeing that. Well, what, I mean, what area? There's, there's different types of conservatives. There's a right, fiscal... Maybe, maybe let's we'll talk about fiscal... time to think about it. Well, maybe no, no, no. I mean, fi- there's, fisc- there's fiscal conservatives and there are social conservatives. There's fiscal conservatives, and I'm a fiscal conservative. Uh, you know, how do you run your household? You don't spend more than you take in, right? That's fiscal conservatism. You don't, you don't borrow against the future. Uh, unless, you know, some emergency. But, you know, you put money away for a rainy day. You, you, you pay in cash when you can. You don't run up huge debts on your credit card. Uh, you don't, you know, borrow from Peter to pay Paul. That's fiscal conservative. That, to me, is common, uh, conservatism. That's common sense. Yeah, I'm not sure. Am I being blocked? Can you hear me okay? No, I can hear you. Yes. Oh, yeah, I think I may have been blocked. I have a problem with the phone book. Oh. What I was going to say is that what I wanted to talk about was uh, conservatism and how it's uh, tied into what I consider the biggest divide and conquer conspiracy, religion. And what I'm finding from a book by Bart Ehrman, uh, misquoting Jesus, the story behind who changed the Bible and why, it seems to have been changed throughout the, uh, the centuries uh, and including, you know, verses that weren't in it originally that have been put in afterwards, including, uh, you know, let the one among you who is without sin cast the first stone. Apparently that didn't, uh, wasn't in the Greek version. And then when they translated it into English, somehow it got in there. But my point is that, is that because there's so many uh, denominations, especially in Christianity, it causes infighting and people um, get indoctrinated into things that I believe are not true. And the other book that I wanted to mention, um, Jeffrey Doherty has been on coast a couple times. Uh, George has interviewed him, called, uh, wrote a book called Apostle Paul Antichrist. And what I believe, even before I even heard of Jeff Doherty, was that I believe Paul was from the dark side, and he faked his conversion. And it's what I've been saying lately, if you can't beat them, co-opt them. He went in and took over the movement because he was fighting with people in the Bible. He'd even come out and say, you know, he'd be explaining why he was doing things. And I think he was the infiltrator that distorted the Bible and took it down the wrong path. And the last thing I'll say about that is as a minister once said, there's so much about Paul in the New Testament, I'm surprised we're not called Polynesians. Right. Well, first of all, what in, in what way do you think he took us down the wrong path? I mean, based on what would you say that he was an infiltrator? Well, because he had this miraculous, uh, you know, experience where he had Well, of course, we're familiar with, yeah, his conversion on the road to Damascus right. when he was Saul, and he was a persecutor of, of, of Christians. Uh, I mean, this is a pretty significant, uh, you know, aspect of the, of the New Testament, but how did he... Do you believe, based on your readings or what these other people are writing about, how do they argue that he sort of twisted the the the, the intent of of, uh, of of Jesus? Well, like I say, there, there was one uh, statement that he did say, and that's in reference to uh, long hair and a man is abomination. Right. Yet every picture of Jesus you see, he's got long hair. So what happened there? Yeah, you're right. That one has always uh, perplexed me. Um, I should have maybe I'll bring uh, Jonathan Kahn back on the program. He just emailed me. He was he um, he he just attended the uh, inaugural prayer meeting, breakfast meeting, and uh, wanted to let me know that he was down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll have to bring him on that. That que- that question has has always intrigued me as well. Well, I got Ian Punnett to get Bart Ehrman on, and I'm wondering if you, may, you might want to talk to him or Jeffrey Doherty since he's been on coast and uh, 
you know, maybe uh, get some get their point of view up. Because if this is true, uh, um, Richard, I mean, follow the truth, right? If it is a, a case of where they're putting this out to control the masses in the wrong direction, obviously it's you know important to get this out. And Bart Ehrman's book, like I say, misquoting Jesus, pretty well points out that the Bible has been changed throughout the century. I have a, no, I have a problem with that because okay. when you look at um, when they talk about the transcripts, uh, the you know how they would transcribe the Bible and and uh, the, the books of the Bible rather before they were collated into mm-hmm. the Bible before it was the Bible. Uh, my understanding, and based on everything I've read, is that actually very, very little has changed. Now, um, sometimes the translation from the, the Hebrew into the Greek or the Greek into the Hebrew into the English, you'll get subtle differences. Uh, for example, the meaning of charity. Um, the way it's written in Greek means something slightly different. But when you look, and remember, these were written out by hand, and mistakes were not dealt with lightly. If you made a mistake... And you have these things being written over and over and over again by hand throughout the, the um, you know, decades and decades. Very little has changed. Very little has changed in the Bible. It wow. remains intact, cohesive, and what is truly remarkable about the Bible is here we have 66 books written over a period of several thousand years. And, and, and yet by something like 40 different authors. And yet when, it's, when the, all these books are brought together, there is a cohesiveness uh, you know, the old saying that the Old Testament is the New Testament revealed and the New Testament is the, um, sorry, the, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. I mean, how does that happen? Uh, well, Bart Ehrman would say different there, Richard. He says it has been changed a lot. Like I say, Ian Punnett had him on host a mm-hmm. couple times. Maybe you'd want to get him on and uh, talk to him and Jeffrey Doherty, too. All right. Send me, uh, send me uh, the, the names. Uh, I think uh, I have by Twitter before. but uh, Send me know, the email Jeffrey if you Doherty could. Jeffrey Doherty and, uh, and uh, Bart Ehrman. Try All right. Come up. Okay, thanks. Appreciate Richard. it. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, bye. Uh, boy, that's a, a swamp when you get into discussing the Bible. And I'm not the student of the Bible that I would like to be. Uh, one day, perhaps. Um, oh, we're going to break soon. But um, I wanted to um, mention this. I'll, I'll tee it up now, and we'll get into it after the break. And um, we were talking about remote viewing. Uh, the CIA, a couple of days ago, earlier this week, they didn't release 13 million uh, pages of declassified documents. They were released quite a while ago. And it made a big news uh, splash, and I was uh, called up. CTV News wanted me to go on and talk about it because these CIA documents that were released, 13 million pages dating back from you know the 1950s, early 50s, during the height of the Cold War, 50s, 60s, 70s, they were actually released quite a while ago. Uh, back in the mid-90s, under the Clinton administration, he issued an executive order stating that any document 25 years or older – uh, had to be released unless it was exempt because of national security and so forth. And so the CIA had to release a huge document dump, 13 million pages. Well, they were released, but in order to access it, you had to actually physically go down to College Park in Maryland to the National Archives, and then you had to go up to the third floor in the library, and then way in the back there were the three computer consoles, and uh, very difficult, uh, obviously, if you wanted to research these documents, many of them pertain to, to UFOs and many of them pertain to remote viewing programs like Stargate at Fort Meade in Maryland, which is what they wanted me to talk about on, uh, on CTV News. Uh, incidentally, if you want to see my interview on CTV News, you can go to my uh, Twitter feed. I think we've pinned that there. Just click on it. The video is actually embedded 
in the tweet. So go to at Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T. Um, and a lot of sort of nondescript uh, UFO reports, people would want to – they would have a, a UFO sighting. They wanted to file a report, so they would go to a CIA branch office. So you get a lot of that. There's some cool things in there like uh, the CIA uh, released the secret recipe for making invisible ink and, and, uh, and things like that. The point is you had to go down to College Park, log on to these computers, and then if you wanted – you couldn't download them onto a, like a thumb drive. You had to physically print them. And then if you wanted to share them with the world, you'd have to print them and then take them home and then rescan them and then upload them however you, you wanted to do it. 13 million pages. Now, there's this guy, Mark Abet, or Michael Best. He's with Muckrock, right? And um, you may have read his tweets. He uh, went down to College Park and he started printing these up because the CIA was adhering to the letter of the law. They made them accessible but only on these computers but not to the spirit of the law. They weren't widely distributed. So he started printing them and the National Archives had to pay for the paper and the toner. He printed 700,000 copies or 700,000 of these 13 million documents. And then he would take them home and scan them and, and put them out there. So the National Archives said, we can't afford to keep doing this. So finally – and Muck, Muckrock, his editor at Muckrock um, also sued the uh, CIA under FOIA. So finally they sort of embarrassed them and now they're available online so researchers can examine them and sift through 13 million pages from the comfort of their own um, dank basement <laughs> instead of going down to College Park. And But, uh, Albert, don't we have someone from Muckrock, com yeah, Muckrock coming I, on? I'm bringing up the calendar now. He'll be on... Um, Sometime in February, I think yeah, you said. Uh, February 26th, and his name is J. Pat Brown. From Muckrock. All right, right. We'll, talk about, uh, we'll talk about that with him. All right, when we come back, the U.S., wants to get out of the UN. We'll uh, also talk about a, a Western from the 1950s that is eerily prophetic. Plus, open lines. Stay with us. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. All right, welcome back. Open lines, 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, and toll-free from out of town, 866-740-4740. All right, just want to uh, talk about Trump here for a few moments. And uh, if you want to talk Trump, I'd be delighted to take your call. Uh, or anything else, if you want to talk about uh, Marcus Allen and uh, his evidence that the lunar landings were a hoax, his photographic evidence, which is intriguing. Uh, l listen, let me be on the record. I, I, I do believe that we landed on the moon in 1969. I have a slightly different take. I think we were there much earlier. Um, you've heard me talk about the Secret Space Program. Perhaps you saw the Secret Space Program episode we did on the, uh, the TV show a couple of seasons ago. Um, but to Trump we go because let's face it this is historical it's, it's, uh, it's going to be the most interesting uh, tumultuous 100 days I think in U.S. history uh, much of it will be done or undone and as the case of Obama's legacy with the stroke of a pen but um, this has been going on for some time I think even um, 
former Texas Congressman Ron Paul introduced a bill several years ago uh, to, to remove the United States from the United Nations. I'd love to get your take on this. Uh, this is a proposed House resolution would set the stage for the United States to remove itself from the United Nations. It's called the American Sovereign, Sovereign, Sovereignty, the American Sovereignty Restoration Act of 2017. And it is sponsored by Representative Mike Rogers, a Republican from Alabama, introduced in the House back on January the 3rd. And it, ref- it has been referred to the House Committee on Foreign Affairs, according to the Congress website. And again, the bill proposes that the United States terminate its membership in the United Nations, that the U.N. removes its headquarters from the U.S., and that the U.S. stops participating in the World, the world Health Organization. Uh, you can read the full uh, bill here. Maybe, um, Albert, I'll get you to post that on the, uh, the website, strangeplanet.ca, or, or the radio page, actually, uh, maybe tomorrow or something. They can, you can read the full b- bill as well. Now, should it pass, the act would take two years um, after it is signed to take effect. Again, the American Sovereignty Restoration Act of 2017. How do you feel about that? The United States pulling out of the United Nations. Basically, they're saying to the rest of the world, and let's face it, a lot of these, what are there, something like 197 members? A lot of these are dictators uh, who are anti-West, anti-Israel, um, and these are bad actors on the world stage, a lot of them. So you can't blame the United States for at least thinking, well, maybe we won't fund this and that. But pulling out, I'm not sure. I think it's always good to have a, a place at the table, even if uh, the other people at the table are rather unsavory characters in some cases. Not all, but let's face it. You look at the makeup of the United Nations and the, and the countries, the state of the world. Not a lot of stable democracies out there. Uh, so if you want to weigh in on that, the American Sovereignty Restoration Act of 2017, how do you feel about the U.S. threatening to pull out of the United Nations? It's, I don't think it's going to happen. It will not happen. Uh, but Trump is promising to uh, maybe pull back on some of the funding. You know, it's, it, listen, they, they pay the lion's share of the United Nations, and it's, it, it gets kind of uh, annoying when you're paying the freight and you're constantly being kicked under the table. So we shall see about that. Now, this is kind of cool. Um, I found this uh, online this afternoon, and people talk about how The Simpsons, you know, they'll, they'll have an episode and it'll air several years prior to some event. I think there was a, 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 some sort of a prophetic episode dealing with 9-11. There was a prophetic episode uh, dealing with, um, with the rise of of Trump, right? They predicted that Trump would be president and so forth, and they had a big laugh, ha, ha, ha. Well, who's laughing now? Certainly not Matt Greening. But um, it turns out back in the late 1950s, there was a, um, a Western serial, ran for about two years, from 57 to 59. It was a Western TV series. It was called Trackdown. Never heard of it before. And uh, there's an, a 1958 episode of Trackdown called The End of the World. And the clip features Lawrence Dobkin, the actor Lawrence Dobkin, again, never heard of him, playing the role of a character, again, in this Western. His name is Walter Trump. And he is a fraud who rides into town claiming that only he can prevent the end of the world by, well, I'm not going to tell you by, but let me just, again, this character's name is Trump. 
He's kind of a shady character. He rides into town. Let me play the first clip. He's being, uh, and he's, well, he's bald. Okay, so he doesn't look like Trump. You're right, Ian. Ian wanted me to point that out. He doesn't look like Trump, but his name is Trump. And let me play this first clip. He's being confronted, I think, in a saloon by the sheriff who doesn't like Trump. Uh, your name is Trump? All right, Sheriff. How long are you going to put up with this? What do you mean? How long are you going to let this con man walk around town? Be careful, son. I can sue you. How about it, Sheriff? When are you going to put the lid on? What for? Well, stealing is stealing, whether you do it with a gun or a mouthful of mealy words. I don't intend to sit here and be insulted, Sheriff. If your people don't want my help, I can go elsewhere. Wait a minute, Mr. Trump. You don't talk for the rest of us. All right. Did you catch that? This character, Walter Trump, saying, careful, I'll sue you. Where have you heard that before? <laughs> now, it gets better. All right. So, again, this Walter Trump, he's kind of a bit of a, uh, a con man, a fraud, yes. And he's warning the people that some catastrophic event is going to happen at midnight. And only he can save them. Let's hear that clip. The people were ready to believe. Like sheep, they ran toward the slaughterhouse. And waiting for them was the high priest of fraud. I am the only one. Just me. I can build a wall around your homes that nothing will penetrate. What do we do? How do we save ourselves? You ask, how do you build that wall? You ask, and I'm here to tell you. You're a liar, Trump. I can build a wall. There you go. How crazy is that? Walter Trump. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Again, the series was called Trackdown, and this comes from a 1958 episode titled The End of the World. And uh, the actor was uh, Lawrence Dobkin playing Walter Trump. So in that first clip, when he's approached by the sheriff, who's kind of on to him, uh, calls him a fraud and a thief, and Trump says, careful what you say, I'll sue you. Sounds somewhat familiar. And, uh, and then he promises to save the town from catastrophe. Only he can save them by building a wall. How crazy is that? Back to more of your calls on open lines here on The Conspiracy Show, 416-360-0740. Toll free from just about anywhere, 866-740-4740. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. All righty then. Welcome back. We are into the home stretch. Almost right. Uh, almost time to dim the lights and head on home before we do that. Uh, Albert, uh, give us a heads up. What's coming up on the program next week? We, we have a good one. Oh, there we are. <laughs> we, we have a good one. It's uh, Dr. Michael Dixon from the University of Guelph and how you would grow food on Mars when we get our Mars colony up there. Excellent. All right. 
And that's followed by uh, Nick Redfern, 365 Days of UFOs. Nick Redfern. This, is the, this guy is – he and Rosemary Ellen Guiley are the most prolific writers I've seen anywhere. If, if they, they have one book um, ready to go. Or it's been published. It's available. We're on, you know, they're on the show talking about it. They have another one that's in the process of being published, and then they have another one in the works. <clears throat> Excuse me. They are just so prolific. I'm, I'm just so impressed. Uh, I always love having Nick Redfern on the program, and Rosemary, of course. Uh, all right. Thank you, Albert. So, again, Nick Redfern in the second hour, 365 Days of UFOs. And the first hour, Dr. Michael Dixon from the University of Guelph, How to Grow Food on Mars. Uh, Gary is in Buffalo. Gary, welcome. Hey, Hello. Gary. Gary, can Hello. you hear me? Hello, Gary. Yes. You're on. Hi. Hi there. Hi. Um, let's see. Ex-Canadian Defense Minister Paul Hellyer yes. um, last summer was at a UFO conference, I believe, and he said that um, he heard a deathbed confession from a fellow Canadian official who had visited Area 51. Hmm. Um, I was requesting that you might uh, follow up on that, and uh, because I did listen to the YouTube um, video, and uh, there was no details, but he said he did have details. Oh, okay. Well, I'll definitely get uh, Paul on. Paul is, it's it's a kind of a late hour, but maybe I'll have to pre-tape it uh, because Paul is, he's, right. I think he's pushing ninety-five. He's still in excellent health, as far as I know. I pray, uh, and it's been a while since we've had him on the program. And the last time I ran into Paul was at the, um, it was the Cosmic Expo in my hometown, Brantford, last summer, uh, along yeah, with the late, uh, the late Bob Mitchell and, 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 uh, and others. So it is high time we get Paul on. Um, I'm also very interested, of course, in Paul's work dealing with the, uh, the Bank of Canada and reforming the Bank of Canada. Uh, but, yeah, it's high time to get Paul back on, and I'll ask him about that. Thank you. Okay, thank you. All right, my friend. Thank you. Dave from Buffalo. Uh, Andrew, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Where are you checking in from? Where are you, Andrew? I'm calling from Mississauga tonight. Mr. and Mississauga. All right, welcome. So, Richard, one question I have for you. Yes. Um, we have unforeseen occurrences happening soon um, with uh, wars and everything going on. What is your best way uh, that you would sustain yourself in a bunker or just getting ready for the end of the world, like prepping Water, canned food, books, rice, etc. Uh, well, I'm not prepping for the end of the world, but I think it's important to uh, at least be prepared for, let's say, some sort of interruption in the supply of services for at least 72 hours. So, you know, you want to have enough water for 72 hours. You want to have some cash on hand. You don't announce it, of course, but it's that's important because uh, if the ATM goes down and you have no cash... You know, that could be problematic. So have some cash on hand uh, for, you know, maybe a week's worth. Mm-hmm. Also, obviously, you know, you want to have um, flashlights, fresh batteries, candles, just the routine stuff. But I'm not, uh, Andrew, I'm not one of these doomsday preppers. Um, I mean, you know, one day the lights will go out and for a, a prolonged period of time. And uh, I'm talking about some sort of a, a solar flare or an EMF event. We're overdue for a Carrington event. Uh, I mean, the, the, the 
the, I've, I've read the scenarios for such an event. Uh, if the grid goes down for an extended period of time, uh, that would be catastrophic, agreed. I've read estimates of 99% of North American population would be gone within the first year. 90, no, 90%, my apologies, 90%. I mean, how do you prepare for something like that? Right. Uh, you know what, just pray, conduct yourself... Um, you know, conduct yourself as a, a, a good as a good person, and 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 being helpful and building a community, and and um, you know, keep keep the idea of of going you know north somewhere and and um, locating yourself in a log cabin and isolating yourself. That's not going to work. You need to surround yourself with carpenters and doctors and dentists and people that uh, you know that are handy and know how to fix things. You got to build kind of a a, a community. So. My, I think you need to stay put, first of all. I don't believe you bug out necessarily, unless you can do all those things yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so work on building one of those, the, these types of communities. Collect friends like that. You know, everyone should, ha- you know, the, the old saying, do you have a guy? Do you have a guy that can do this, a guy that can do that? I got a guy. I got a, a, a guy that's a mechanic. I got a guy that works on computers. I got a guy that's, a, you know, a medical doctor. You need to have people, or a woman, you need to have people like that in your life. And then, you know, and then uh, uh, have enough, you know, food and water on hand for 72 hours. That's not doomsday paranoia. That's just common sense. Mm-hmm. How about you? Uh, no, I was just calling for your opinion, and uh, I'm glad I heard it. Thank you very much, Richard. Appreciate it, Andrew. All right, bye-bye. Uh, you know, I guess that's kind of natural. You think if you host something like The Conspiracy Show that you're one of these preppers, um, you know, that you're, um, every weekend you're going to fi- find me out at the firing range and, uh, um, you know, I've got, a, I'm drinking my own urine. And <laughs> I don't, no, not one of those people, not one of these people. However, yes, you got to be, you got to be smart. Uh, you got to prepare 72 hours at least. Uh, Dale is in Monroe, Louisiana. Dale, good morning and welcome. How are you? Good morning, Richard. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you loud and clear. Where is Monroe, Louisiana? Are you on the Gulf, or whereabouts are you? Uh, no, sir. No, sir. Uh, we're, we're probably about 350 miles from the Gulf. It's uh, in the corner of uh, Mississippi, Arkansas, and Louisiana, if, ah. if that gives you an idea. It does. Thank um, you. 56 degrees here, so I guess we're, we're in summertime compared to some parts of the world. That is a nice, nice January weather, 56 degrees. That's, Good for that's you. That's right. Uh, right. Also, I'd like to add, you're one of the better hosts on uh, Coast to Coast when they have uh, backup hosts. You always have interesting guests, and I want to pay you that compliment because you certainly deserve it. I appreciate that, Dale. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I was uh, uh, caught the earlier part of the show about... Uh, you know, fake uh, uh, landing and that sort of thing, and and uh, the pictures and the pictures bothered me too many times. And you know, if you if you go and you look at the X's uh, that are on that Hasselblad film, uh, a lot of the space shots, not just the ones on the moon, uh, you can see where they air dusted out the X's. The X's actually disappear when it when it goes into the uh, in, into space. You know, mm-hmm, right. uh, so I, I also agree. I believe, as you said, that they had backup photographs and this, that, and the other. And I, I think that probably they did take shots on the moon, but probably every one of them had their head cut off, you know. And, and so they did use backup shots. Uh, that was back before we believed that the United States government could uh, deceive anyone. Um, I was wondering, though, there's got to be some professional or some amateur astronomers who have been able to actually take photographs 
of the Apollo lunar landing site. Now, I, I know that the, the a lunar lander module uh, is very small, but you're bound to be able to see some of those tracks of the uh, of the moon buggy and all that sort of thing. Right. Um, now, I, that's a good point, you know, Dale. And I, I, I didn't have time to mention that to uh, Marcus Allen, who was on with me on Coast uh, last night, and he was here a couple of weeks ago, um, because I recall reading where just that, uh, an amateur astronomer or someone with access to a pretty powerful telescope, maybe to a, a research facility or, a, or an actual observatory, that they were able to see, whether it was the lunar, uh, the lunar rover or something, uh, left behind by the uh, the astronauts. Now, don't quote me on that. Um, oh, but, I know. Uh, but I'm I, I, you're right. I think that, that you know. Or someone else mentioned on the show last night on Coast last night that they somebody was able to. They used the term ping one of these um, uh, artifacts on the moon. I'm not yes, sure right. what they meant or how they, they would left do that. that laser uh, uh, pad experiment there. Uh, and they're able to hit it with a laser beam right. and, and get it to echo that. You know, and there there are also rovers that Russia left and everything, and they can also get reflections off of that too. Unmanned uh, Russia's uh, Russia left rovers up there. Well, Russia had rovers. They they did send rovers, but they of course never had any manned space uh, programs that we know of. Of course, I, I'm I'm kind of like you. I believe in the secret space program and. One day there will be disclosure. It certainly won't be by the government, but uh, I think there's already uh, Star Trek civilization out there that's us, and uh, we're not part of it. Fascinating to think about. Absolutely. Yeah. But, Dale? But, but, but we ought to be able to find some, some people, uh, certainly some of your listeners or something, that are amateur astronomers. Uh, or professional astronomers that have seen and that do have shots of that. Excellent points all, Dale, and thank you so much for checking in from Monroe, Louisiana. I hope you'll call again. I certainly want to thank you, Richard. Once again, you're one of the better hosts, Coast to Coast, and I'm going to start watching and uh, listening to your show quite regularly. Oh, God bless you for that, Dale. Thank you. All right. Um, yeah, just for the record again, I, I do believe that we, we landed on the moon. But I find this, you know, I, I think it's worthy having these conversations. And a lot of people think, you, you know, you shouldn't go there. You shouldn't talk about the lunar landing hoax. And, and I disagree. I want to hear this stuff. I want to learn. Uh, and Marcus Allen presented some compelling evidence. And I'll have Marcus on again. And I'll have Joel Skawazin on again. And I will continue to have people on that stir the pot. And I'll hopefully stir the pot a little bit, too. And some of you will tweet furiously that these people shouldn't be allowed on the air. Well, tweet away to your heart's desire. Thank you, Albert and uh, Ryan and Ian. And we'll be back next week with Michael Dixon from the University of Guelph and Nick Redfern. How to Grow Food on Mars, 365 Days of UFOs. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.